0: Let's talk about sex. We're sitting at dinner the other night, and my daughter, who's six, just busts out with this, hey, mommy, when did you meet daddy? So that launched us into a long discussion of, well, you know, the first time we met, I was 14, and... You know, but then we initially we then she's like, "Well, when did you start dating?" And I'm sitting there wondering where is she getting this whole line of questioning from. <laughs> but so he continues on with, "Well, where did, what did you do on your first date?" And and then my son, who's four, jumps in and says, "Well, what did you like about Daddy when you when you met him?" And mom and my wife was like, "Well, I thought he was cute. And then, well, what else did you like? I thought he was smart." And I, here I am, you know, it's getting big head, the ego inflated. You know, I'm like loving all of here in this conversation well, what else did you, what was the third thing? And then so she, she said, well, he was, he was a nice, he was nice to me. Well, what was the fourth thing? And <laughs> and then it just kept going. And finally she looked over at me and under her breath said, we're going to have to stop this conversation or we're going to get into some deeper things that they're not ready for. Are we, you know, so it's just this whole, <laughs> wow. Okay. We, we try to be pretty open about most everything in our house. And so they know about sex and they know about you know intimacy and and all those things we've read those the where did I come from and all those different books okay with them but it was just one of those times where you actually get to see it in play of how did it all unfold for you and and what did you do and and the thing after all of that the funniest thing to me was I told my daughter I said you know what we did for our first our first date was we went to a scary movie and she, ooh.
1: (laughs) They're so cute. <laughs> why I can't believe you go, your kids are so little.
0: Why did you go to a scary movie? And I'm like, well, because then my mommy would get scared and want to lean in close to me. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, you're listening to Sexy Marriage Radio. Exactly. We'll help you find out how to make it start, make it last. <laughs> uh, I'm Gina Paris. Dr. Corey Allen is here. And we love to help you. Uh, heat up your marriage and and give straight answers. And today we kind of have this idea about a sexual legacy on our mind because we did make this profound observation that sex leads to children.
0: That is deep and profound.
1: I I know. It's not 100%. I'm completely aware of that. But for many couples, sex leads to children (laughs) and a family.
0: Yes, it does. (laughs) So... Today's show, we want to talk about how do you create a legacy mm-hmm. with, your, with your sex life. And, and I guess another term for it would be, what is your marriage teaching your children? What is your sex life in your marriage teaching your children? And if you want to jump on and let us know what you think and give us some feedback, feel free to send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also call us at 615 six. That's
1: right, 56, 56, sexy
0: six. <laughs> but, but it is interesting, because when you think about the history of your own life, and Gina, I'm talking to you specifically, when you think about the history of your own sexuality, your own journey, mm-hmm. and what you learned, what you didn't learn, what was right, what was wrong, I mean, how much of that journey... Was created unbeknownst to your parents by the way they did their marriage. Right. I think, especially, I was
1: fortunate in, in that I got to see good modeling of a marriage, you know. So I remember one time being in a fight with Paul kind of, and he he did one thing, like the one thing that my dad did that really bugged me. And I, I remember saying, gosh, when you do that, you just remind me of my dad. And Paul looked at me and he kind of grinned and he said, you know, anytime I'm compared to your dad, that's going to be a compliment, right? <laughs> you do know that. <laughs> so, um,
0: so that I, is fortunate. Good,
1: It is, and it's a good, and and my mom never had any hang-ups really about, you know, talking about sex and and, um, enjoying it and and keeping it for marriage. So it was easy, and then I had really strong role models from the time I was 12 on. So it's one of those ways where the more influence I think we can surround our children with that's positive, the better it is for them.
0: Yeah, and specifically I think of let's apply this to our listeners now and -hmm. and those that are in a marriage and they have children in the house and I don't think it really matters the age I think if they're in the house how you do marriage they pick up on oh absolutely because I, I think I've maybe mentioned this on our show before um you know my parents are still together and they've been for 46 seven years something like that and now so they've they've got a history of a relationship together but they've never been very overtly affectionate mm. as far as it's not outward in, in my household it was it was always the kiss good night and there was occasional holding hands but not i mean there was often dad's chair mom's chair you know that whole kind of routine uh-huh. and it was also um I had modeled where a father who was a late nighter and, and he loved oh, staying yeah. up. He he usually worked multiple jobs. Um, he's always been in the teaching field. So he's been a professor for, you know, my whole life. And so whenever you're a college professor, you know, a lot of times you have night classes and some right. of those different things. So your, your schedule is a little different. But he was always up late, play, uh, grading papers, watching TV, hanging out. Whatever, and my mom was always a not-so-late person. She she liked to head to bed right after the news usually. And so I was modeled, you know, you don't go to bed together. And then I marry a woman who you do go to bed together. That's the way her parents have were always that way and the way they modeled it. One would stay up for the other if they needed to work a little later or were into something else, they would just stay up and wait. And so we had these real covert arguments I guess you could say over how it was supposed to be done and it was just because that's what was modeled
1: I would never have thought about that I would never you know my kids our youngest ones are 12 all they'll 13 in a couple of weeks so I that's a good point I never thought about modeling the whole bedtime routine
0: well yeah and, and I don't think it's necessarily the intent is to model what you want yeah, your exactly. kids to do it's just you yeah. realize that they're going to carry on what you do And so I know some couples that are very, very secretive about the fact that they have a sex life. Yeah. You know, and they they, they do have a sex life, but they just are one of those, we don't want our kids to know, you know. So it's always planned to this whole nth degree of, well, you got to make sure the kids are always asleep or they're out of the house or whatever. And I'm coming at it with the mindset of your door has to your room has an open and close option. And a lock. And a lock hopefully. most of the time. Most, most master bedrooms have locks. So what's the drawback of teaching your kids when the door is closed and it's locked in mom and dad's ba- bedroom? It's off limits. Don't come in. Don't come knocking. Because the room could be rocking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, I think that's something that baffles me. I had these really good friends and their bedroom door was a French door. So it was all glass. If there was no blind on it, I was like, Shelly, where's the the roller blind? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that's a good – that still is a mystery to me. But, yeah, there's something to be said for what we're teaching our
0: kids. Well, I think that what that could possibly do, if you start to be affectionate – and, and it's nothing up inappropriate. I mean, I, I'm not advocating that you just get all over your spouse in front of your kids and, and you, you know, you're sneaking feels and you're sneaking all this stuff yeah. when you're around your kids. But it is something to being playful with each other, enjoying one another's company in front of your kids, and then also appropriately setting up the boundaries of, look, this is some mom and dad time. You know, this is some lover time. This is, this is some time we're going to get together. I think what that will start to do is I think that would start to make the whole subject of sex less taboo. Because well, it's going you, on.
1: I agree. And so
0: you may have to have some conversations or you may have to have some discussions about what's going on, which that could be uncomfortable for some people, I guess.
1: Well, because this is the same couples that don't even talk to each other about sex. So the thought of being open about it with their children is mortifying for some yeah. reason. Yeah, because- and, and most people don't feel like by the time they're a certain age and, and happily married, they don't feel like they made the best decisions from adolescence on. Right. And so they're at a loss for what to say. Maybe, maybe they don't want their children to repeat their mistakes, but they don't want their children to justify bad behavior by saying, pointing to, well, you did it and you're fine. Right. So I think the the whole idea to open up conversations is just invaluable.
0: Absolutely. To just a, a new approach to the subject.
1: Yeah. Of course, my kids know that they can walk in my office here and see 40 books on the shelf.
0: Yeah. But- yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things that, you know, when it's, it's the same with me that you know i i I taught a class at my church uh last may to how to talk to your kids about sex and then we so for a whole month i was teaching on just that whole this whole subject and it was for any age kid really but i took that where did i come from Mm -hmm. book uh, as as a Visual aid and a recommendation for one of the classes, and my daughter saw me walk in out of the house with it, and she's immediately, "Hey, Daddy, what are you doing with my book? <laughs> what are you doing with my book? I'm like, <laughs> Daddy okay. needs to brush up. Yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not, I was unsure of a couple of things, so I needed to <laughs> check in on a couple of things. But it is just one of those we've tried to from the from birth be very very open with it. But there's still even in my household when we've tried to be very open. There's still some uncomfortable conversations, you know, that we're just it it doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy talking about some of these things because there's so much meaning attached to it. But it's still to me, that means you don't shy away from it just because it's uncomfortable. You still have to lean into it. And yeah. And, you know, I guess just fumble your way through it if that's what it takes.
1: I know in our house, some of the best conversations have happened while we're watching uh, sitcoms or shows that deal with it in ways that I think are untrue. So, you know, in the commercial, I'll say, what did you think about that? Yeah. <laughs> or one time on, oh, that 70s show or something, it was just a preview. And it showed these guys going, yeah, we're going to a party with lots of alcohol and lots of really insecure women. <laughs> and I said, did you catch that, Kristen? Guys, no, it's the insecure women that are easy.
0: Yep.
1: And um, so... You know, she's anything but insecure. But those years when the kid's 13 and 14, for both Jordan and Kristen, those were their toughest years, just totally searching for themselves. And the twins are there now. So, man, I'm oh, it's such a joy when you hear your kids say things like, um, I don't think I know any of my friends that have a marriage that's as fun as yours and daddy's. You know, I don't see any of my friend's parents just enjoying each other so there is something about being together in front of your kids Mm -hmm.
0: there is so so what would we say to the couples that haven't had a good legacy that haven't had a good model Mm -hmm. that come from a line of intergenerational you know there's been affairs there's been abuse there's been alcohol there's been yeah one or the others just checked out Even, you know, the the marriage is still there, but it's just a facade, you know, and so, you know, oftentimes if you you have a person that's coming from that kind of a relationship uh, dynamic as far as a family, whenever they start a new one, they usually have a real conscious thought of, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to break the trend. I'm going to break the cycle and break the pattern, but it doesn't always happen as easily as you think, but it can happen. Right. I think that's the first thing, first message is you can create a new dynamic that you pass on to your children. And yeah, and ha-
1: having a clear vision of who you want to be or a, a model of who you want to be like. You know, who you want to be in that marriage more than what you expect your spouse even to be plays such a huge part in in changing a dynamic. Yeah. I one time my father-in-law wrote this big, long poem <laughs> to my husband for Christmas in his Christmas card, and it was really eloquent, and And he had made some bad choices as a, as a husband and father of my husband, and just to see how he wrote this poem, and in it he just celebrated this fact that he said, the curse has been broken, because there was a long line of just brokenness in these marriages, and and how much that dad rejoiced to see my husband make it and, and to, to do well. And all his kids have done well. Paul's siblings are beautiful marriages. So to, I think the first thing is to really have hope and a clear vision of who you want to be in home, in your most private place. Because most of us build this vision of what we want to be out in the marketplace or who who will you, what we want to do as a career. But who you want to be as a spouse and a parent that's a beautiful thing to start creating a role model for or finding a a role model.
0: Yeah. And it also, it starts also with understanding who you are Mm -hmm. and, and all the warts and everything, you know, acknowledging the good and the bad in you and, and knowing, okay, this is where I am now. And once you have a clear foundation of where you are and who you are, you're in my opinion, much closer to creating and becoming who you want to be. Yeah: So getting a clear role model, getting a clear picture, the other thing I would think of that that's important is establishing uh, some routines and some parameters around your own marriage that making, oh, yeah. making your marriage a priority. Um, it's so easy. I know with my life stage, with little kids, it's so easy to have life revolve around them. Uh, and I know that doesn't change just when they get older and get out of the house more because of school and, and extracurric- extracurricular activities. You still have the struggle of schedules and running kids to and from and understanding where everybody is and, and all of that dynamic. But it's, it's important to set parameters around your own relationship and make it a priority to have that as something you value and something that's important and let other things fall beneath it even. You know, let your role as a parent be beneath your role as a spouse.
1: Yeah I really think that too I, I know I see so many parents live and they'll say my whole world is my children and you know your children's dad gets the leftovers if that <laughs> I I really I do agree to make that marriage a priority because when the kids are gone it you blink your eyes and those kids are gone yeah and, and then you've got, then what do you want to
0: do? Yeah, and that's, that's the reason that the second highest time frame for divorce, statistically speaking, is 18 plus years of marriage. And that's because the kids are gone.
1: I thought that was a new trend, these late-term divorces.
0: Well, I think it's, I think it's new as in the last 20, 30 years new. Mm. Because that's when it, society made a shift a generation ago, pretty much to make kids the priority and so w- along with that comes what do you do when the kids are gone because the kids are going to leave that's, that's healthy that's <laughs> natural they should leave that's, that's the whole idea of growing up and, and becoming an adult and I mean we've taken it as far as you know in my household once my kids have reached the age of being able to feed themselves as in just get their own food They don't have to go find a job necessarily, but they got to be able to find their own food and put it in their own mouth, go to the bathroom on their own, and get dressed and undressed on their own. Once they have learned those basic foundational things, my job shifts to getting them out of my house. (laughs) So (laughs) I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. I'm already working on getting out of my house. And it's not like I want them out tomorrow, but I want them out eventually I mean I, that's just that's just a reality and I need to think that yeah. way and I think when you put your marriage as a priority that helps you keep it in line
1: yeah it's for them to know that to have hope because we also live in a culture where people are pretty cynical this I, millennial generations a little more cynical about getting married but I don't think that means that people hunger any less for the intimacy that only comes from a marriage, especially a long-term marriage. Right. So to to model that and to model it working, and even when it's not working. One time Paul just blew up at me the other day, he was really hungry, there was nothing to eat, and um, Kristen was sitting there after volleyball or something. I said, I told you, I don't, I don't make I, dinner on Wednesdays because the kids and I eat at church. He goes, well, I didn't think that meant there's no food in the house. And so he was kind of upset and went in the garage to find something to eat from the other freezer and refrigerator. And Kristen says, What in the world? That was totally unacceptable. (laughs) Like she could not believe that he could raise his voice. (laughs) I said, Oh, yeah, I suppose that might have bugged me at one time. Now I just think, Oh, go get over it, get something to eat. (laughs) It's so, but we're always modeling. And she is a she's a tough cookie, man. She doesn't put up with crap from any guy. So she can't imagine. She learned that pretty much from her dad, and, and us. But just, to me, she thought, "I I can't believe I've never seen my dad raise his voice, especially over <laughs> just being hungry."
0: Well, <laughs> see, that's real world modeling, right there. Exactly. You know I mean, because that's what goes on, and right. You know, I think of back in the time when I was in youth ministry. You know, fifteen years ago, that. Mm. There was a girl that she was a junior in the high school at in the youth group that I was in that I was that I was a youth minister of, and she had started dating some guy that was just a really good guy. I had I had only met him once because she had brought him one time, but she had had a history of dating just chumps, and this is a guy that got the door for her, um, was polite, asked her how she was, you know, those was was generally a gentleman, and she was made a comment to me in one of the discussions we had about how foreign that was to her she's like i can't even i i I didn't know what to do the first time he got he came around to get my door wow and i'm like well good you need to learn some of those things and that's that's the kind of stuff that in your own marriage right now you can model that and on a side note this is just a quick message to the men that are listening when you model being alpha with your mm-hmm. wife, being, being the gentleman, being the one that, that has the chivalrous traits still, that will go and get her door, that will, if she starts to grab the door on her own, I started doing this with my wife. I've been very more, much more intentional that she'll walk out and start to get her card room. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. And I go and get the door for her. When you start doing that, that speaks to a deeper part of her, I think. Not only does it model great things for your kids, it's, it speaks to a deeper part of your wife.
1: All right. Get in the door.
0: Well, I think that's, it's a simple concept, but I think it's also a, I'm, I want, I'm looking out for you. I'm, I'm caring for you. I, you, 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 you hold a, an important part of my life. And so it's simple, but it's it, it goes deeper.
1: Well, anytime we're living to be, um, re- ministering to someone else's needs instead of our own, to reach, to help them. You know, we have guys that write all the time, and they're so frustrated because they feel like they're doing all this stuff and not getting <laughs> rewarded with sex. Like, oh my God, right. how dare she! It's so there's something about the energy and in, in the communication that's not happening. So we, we want you to keep believing, bring that best self, be believing for what you're, you're showing your children. If yeah. that's something that you want to bring up to your spouse, well, you know, well, Hey, our s- sex life isn't happy. And th- that has to play out in how we're raising the kids. Maybe that helps her bend a, a little bit more. I don't know. But when we come with anger and expectation of reward, goes back to high school and prom and thinking that you, some guy's got to get lucky because he spent 300 bucks on your prom or something yeah, we hate that
0: yeah the the exchange-based relationship is doomed is destined to fail, to fail. it's doomed to fail it will and it, and it's not just if you're exchanging it for sex right you know exchanging it for anything it's destined to fail because whenever you start scoreboarding you just get pissed off Yeah, definitely. More and more, and then more and more resentment, and then more critical, and then it's over. Right. So ultimately,
1: it's always the success will always come down to some of the things that we say again and again have a life that matters. Um, When we're talking about building a family that's got a legacy and a mission and you're thinking about being a part of something that's bigger than yourself, that helps you bring your best self to your mate. And when you do that, come with the mindset that your mate is the most adventurous person on the planet and expect a positive outcome. You can't control what their behavior will be, but you can expect a positive outcome from whatever you're in putting your hand
0: to. Right. And even if let, let's go to the scenario that's, that's less emotionally charged of, you know, there's sure. a movie I want to go see okay. and, and I really want to go see it with my wife because I think she would enjoy it too. But if I invite her to come and because of whatever reason she decides not to, do I let that diminish my enjoyment of going to see a movie?
1: Oh yeah, that's a good point.
0: Because if it's something I want to do, then I, should make it a point and go do it. Yeah. And if, she, and if she joins me, it it magnifies it and it makes it more more fun. But if she doesn't, that, that should not get to the point where it ruins it for me to where, I, oh, well, then I just don't want to go.
1: Well, whether it's a movie or camping or whatever your thing is.
0: Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, because, I mean, we're in the scenario where my wife is going to be heading to Kansas, which is where her family is. Because her mom has a lot going on, and she wants to go take the kids and go spend spend a weekend with her. Well, I have obligations that are a little tough, tougher to get out of sometimes on weekends, and so used to early in our marriage, it would be this: Hey, I want to go to Kansas, but I don't want to go if you are not going to come with me. Uh huh. And she came home the other day and said, "I am taking the kids to Kansas next weekend," and that was it. That was the end of the discussion. You know, she's right. like, "I am figuring you can figure out a way to you know." fill a weekend without the kids and I like, yeah, I think I'll be okay. (laughs) And it's also the offer of if I want to join her and shift things around to be able, I can go, I can do that too. Right. But it's none, it's just one of those whole, I'm going to do what's important to me, what I want to do at the moment. And I think at the core, that's marriage. I'm going to do what's important to me. That's my life. That's relationship. It's choice. And it's choice 19 years into it, just as much as it is choice, day one.
1: Well, I think it's a matter of being your whole self, you know, so that you're bringing your whole self into the marriage. You're not some kind of victim that needs all this validation from the mate to to be whole. Right. Because you could take that in two directions, you know, this is what I want to do, you know, whatever. It it, it comes back to the heart, whether you're motivated by love or motivated by fear.
0: Yeah, because if, con- if you continue down this, the path of I'm going to just do what I want to do, forget whatever you want, yeah, you're going to end up alone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's totally. going gonna, gonna to work itself out. It will. That's just the nature of relationships because who you really are will come out. And one of my professors was always a big proponent of you need to be who you are. Mm-hmm. And I loved his phrase. It's a bit harsh, sorry. But it was always, if you're a horse's ass, be a great horse's ass. Because then everybody knows what they're dealing with. Well, then, then that's part of the argument
1: against bad dating as kids. It, where, it, And I'm so glad my kids never bought into this idea of having lots of boyfriends or girlfriends. Kristen, I don't think at 17, almost 17, has even had a serious boyfriend and Jordan had one girlfriend for the last few years that he just broke up with, but, and they're still really good friends. It's just been so healthy through the whole thing. But you see so many of their friends have a boyfriend or girlfriend constantly and they develop a habit of being what that person wants them to be. Right. And it's crazy. So we want them, we want you to be so comfortable inside your own skin. That's what you bring to a relationship is what you almost, almost what you bring to the table or this sense that this person is better off because I'm in their life, not that you're desperate and hoping that they'll complete you.
0: Yeah. That I'm nothing without you. <laughs> I am
1: nothing. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the most damaging lines in all of Hollywood <laughs> is from the movie Jerry Maguire with that you complete me.
1: Uh, well, before we were getting married, we were reading all these, you know, Marriage books, and Paul was looking at this book, and he says to me, You know, I just don't think I totally get this. This guy is saying, It's pretty famous, gray haired uh marriage speaker guru. He's saying, Don't marry someone you could live with, marry someone you can't live without. And that's, Paul goes, That's
0: I just I mean, a I'll- Hallmark card. <laughs> it's like so stupid. Yeah, that's just a Hallmark card. That's all that is. <laughs> that's what
1: it's. And so, Paul, you know, at 20 years old, he's trying so hard to process all this, you know. He's an airman, first class, young in his career. He says, I mean, if I know I could live without you.
0: I, I just feel like I wouldn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the point, I think.
1: Exactly.
0: That absolutely, you can live without him. And actually, I think you should, there should be parts of your life where you live. As if you can live without them. Yes, definitely. Because that only makes the pull more strong for them to want to be with you. Absolutely. Because if you are living a robust, adventurous, passionate life, your spouse most likely has to do some effort to stay with you. to, to and And will want to. Because it's like, man, I want to be a part of that. Look at how and- much fun that looks like it could be.
1: It's true. And there's seasons that change that. You know, when Paul met me, I had a big platform. I was speaking all the time. So he was very, you know, he kind of thought, man, she." he told me one time, you're like the best speaker I have ever heard. And my life was exciting. Well, then I followed him to the backside of the wilderness in Germany where no one even spoke my language, except on our little Air Force base, and, and that was a whole new weird world to me. And, you know, there's always going to be seasons of adjustment. And, right. And you'll feel like things are taken from you and given to you, and, and you're being evolving. So it's all the beauty of a relationship that ebbs and flows and, and grows.
0: And the better you are at handling The ebbs and flows of your current marriage, the better you are at creating a better legacy for the marriages to come in your family. Yeah. Because you can model that even when things ebb, we stick to it. You know, I have a commitment to to see this through, that I'm going to do everything it takes to do what I can. And obviously there's going to be deal breakers in times where you just, no, I can't. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about sticking it out because it gets better. There's hope. There's joy. There's yeah. passion. There's pleasure. It could just be right around the corner if it's not going on currently.
1: Yeah, we believe that. And your, your kids appreciate it. There's so such a feeling of security for them to know their parents love each other. And even if it's a second marriage and we're talking about blended families. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I was talking with some a friend of mine that they just did a big cross-country move. Uh-huh. And they have kids that are right around my age, my kids' age, and they made the comment of, "Yeah, we were really concerned, you know, about pulling them out of school and the transitions and all that. But That's after seeking thing. some counsel, we kind of came to the decision if the marriage is strong, the family is strong, the uh-huh. kids will be okay." And I was like, man, that's very profound. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's, <laughs> that's a lot very... easier when they're six
1: and four. Than well, it, it is. <laughs> Junior in high school. It, it but is. Exactly. But
0: it is. What it, there's still truth. Of you bet. When, when you have a good, stable relationship between you, you can handle a lot. And you can Absolutely. lean into it. And, and, and make the most out of every opportunity, it seems.
1: I think so. There's,
0: there's a lot of good that can still come from having struggles and working your way through them. And discovering the best in both of you.
1: Yep. So go forth and have more sex and believe for an uncommon intimacy
0: and an uncommon legacy. Yeah, make make it a countercultural marriage. Absolutely. One that's vibrant and alive with lots of sex.
1: <laughs> Come see us at sexymarriageradio.com. Take care.
0: See you next time.